0: The show is called Making Money. The financial coach is Ron Hebert, a retired portfolio manager. I'm Gordon Whitehead, used to hang my hat in the broadcasting business, and we've known each other for a number of years. We started a series called Making Money that we thought we could provide some financial literacy to people, some things to think about. And right now, here we are in the midst of this coronavirus pandemic, Ron. It's got a lot of people worried, a lot of people stressed. They're worried about a lot of things. They're worried about their financial future as well. Because, let's face it, the markets have been anything but reliable of late, and a lot of people have taken a pretty big haircut here and there. So is there a silver lining to this? I mean, that seems almost trite to say that, but is there an economic silver lining to what we've been going through?
1: Well, this pandemic is likely to cause a recession. And, of course, if it does so, recessions over the long term are looked at negatively by investors, but one of the reasons that we've had a uh, market, which the Dow Jones Industrial Average essentially started in the 1870s, the many, some of the original stocks are still trading, like, like General Electric. And we've had downturns, but we've had upturns that have been bigger than the downturns. So generally markets go up 62 to 63% of the time, go down about uh, 37% of the time. And the reason we've had the long ride upwards is because the excesses that bull markets create gets taken out or leveled in bad markets. All the debt that is out there that causes companies to be zombies, that is cleansed from the system. So it's it's almost like having a, a you know, when you go a couple of days and you just drink water to clean out your system. Recessions are very healthy for the economy because they clean out the recesses. There are the excesses in the economy. And if that doesn't happen, then the bubbles get bigger and bigger and they eventually explode. And the end result is a depression like we had in 1929. So if we have a recession and it takes the excesses out of the markets, that's actually a very good thing. And if you as an investor are paying attention, this can be one of those extraordinarily profitable times. You'll go back and if you talk to people that have made a lot of money, you'll find that the springboard to the wealth that many of them have created didn't come about in the good times. What they were able to do was they were able to buy companies, buy businesses, buy stocks that were extraordinarily undervalued. And then they rode the next long bull market upwards. And so as an investor, you have to be concerned about your portfolio going down, obviously. But you can't be so paralyzed with fear that you miss the tremendous opportunities that these recessions give you. They give you the opportunity to accumulate a lot of wealth if you're smart and you can position yourself to take advantage of it as it unfolds
0: so it's kind of like a survival of the fittest the, the the weak companies will get weeded out what about the strong ones is that when the weak ones are gone do we we have to focus on the strong ones obviously
1: yeah when when weak companies are no longer in existence a couple of things happen number one is competition is lessened so the big companies have a little bit more room to adjust their prices, thus be more profitable. So over the long term, the strong companies that survive get more profitable, they make even more money, and of course that means that their share prices rebound back even more. And secondly, when weak companies are no longer in existence, there's more capital available for the strong ones. Uh, it's always a fight for capital. Capital is a limited resource, whether you're borrowing it, whether you're getting individuals to invest in your company. And when you've got the zombie companies out of the way, there is more capital left for the strong ones. And it just means they can grow that much more.
0: So one of the things we talked about in our last episode was was the debt burden that a lot of companies have. Is, is a recession an opportunity for them to get their balance sheets cleaned up a little bit?
1: That is a very good point, Gord. And you'll notice that In a recession, you have all these extra things that companies have bought in the good times that sponsor racing teams, that build arenas, that uh, have, you know, hunting lodges for senior management, that have maybe four or five executive aircraft sitting on the runway. All this stuff tends to disappear. Everybody takes a pay cut. Investors force management, banks force management to really focus on profitability. So a lot of the excesses get washed away. They get sold. Unprofitable parts of their business, which if you've got a business that's just sort of survived for 20 years and you've got other businesses which have done well, often management will hang on to these legacy businesses even though they're not making a lot of money, but they've been around for a long time. Whereas when things get tough, They'll get rid of these businesses so the company can focus on their core strengths. So it just gets everybody sharper focused. They reduce debt. And we're not talking just about companies. Look at consumers. 2007 to 2009, uh, I know that we talked during that time, and we were both batting down in the hatches, and our friends were too, weren't they?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you had no choice, really. You, you, you wanted to hang on to what you had. You tried to protect it, right?
1: Exactly. So you want to make sure that in a recession, if you look at the strong companies, they get hit very hard because as we talked about on the last show, often when margin calls are made and companies, investment companies, have to sell their shares, the good stuff goes down with the bad stuff. But it's the good stuff that bounces back. It's those companies that have their debt under control or are able to get their debt under control. They're the ones that get rid of the inefficiencies and they come back even stronger after the recession. And those are the ones you want to focus on owning.
0: So these are the ones a great opportunity to look at companies that that have come down and, and, and buy them at realistic prices.
1: You know, and there's, if you look at the market, I could come out with a couple hundred quality names right now. Uh, Just four that come to mind that have taken a real hit lately are Starbucks, very well-run coffee franchise, Disney with all their theme parks, their movies, their online streaming, Visa, which has a massive opportunity to grow because only a small part of the population still uses uh, their debit and credit cards, and, of course, Google. And when everybody's sitting at home, They've got lots of time to go online and search for things. And this company has grown at 20-some percent per year. And we're seeing valuations in these four that I'm looking at have fallen anywhere from about 20%, 25%, down to almost 50% in value. So there's opportunities there if you're, if you're looking to find great names at reasonable prices.
0: So putting on the thinking cap, Ron, in, in this scenario, in a recession, this is a good opportunity to start a business?
1: Often the opportunity to start a business is because existing players in the business frankly got too enthusiastic and they're going bankrupt. So often starting a business is buying a business off our assets off of a company that's failing. So in times like this, if you're in business yourself and you've got a good balance sheet and you've got some capital, often it's an opportunity to buy out competitors at cents on the dollar. Or if you wanted to get into a business, it's an opportunity to buy a business that's already running if you've got some capital and getting it very, very cheap. So it's a great time to buy undervalued assets that later on can create enormous profits for you. So this is the time not to be hiding under your bed in a fetal position sucking your thumb. This is the time where you really need to be looking closely at what's going on out there, because there's more opportunities created in recession, and the best money-making opportunities always come about when things get cheap.
0: So here we are, we're in a pandemic, and one of the things that has been talked about so often in the news coverages, we weren't prepared for this. I suppose we take a lesson from this, don't we, that we'll be a little bit better prepared the next time this might happen. Governments, and agencies around the world will say, yeah, we have to stockpile more things like ventilators and masks and things like that. So that ties into our, our focus on maybe picking up a good healthcare stock as an example.
1: Well, exactly. Now, if you look at the last series of, of recessions, in 1997, 1998, you had the emerging markets. They got way too enthusiastic. Those markets were in a bubble. Well, we haven't had an uh, Asian tiger bubble in the last 20 years. In the year 2000, we had a tech bubble. Well, we, we, we're not in a tech bubble right now. A lot of the big tech names are pretty reasonably priced. In 2007 to 2009, the banks got themselves into trouble globally from making bad loans. Well, the banks are in pretty good shape right now. So we learn from the recessions. It's not that we won't have another bubble people don't seem to be able to transfer over the fact that, um, you know, they've said in 2000, I'll never invest in tech stocks again, or 2007, I'll never invest in bank stocks again. Uh, So, but they never seem to learn the general lesson, which is we won't invest in bubbles again. But it's very unlikely that a pandemic is going to be the cause that takes us down in the next recession. Hopefully, we learn from this, we learn how to uh, quarantine people. We have the masks. We have the ventilators. We have all the equipment we need in reserve so that if it happens, we can mobilize this stuff very quickly and stomp it out before it spreads globally.
0: So I guess one of the things that happens too, and we, we've talked a lot about this in the past couple of episodes, is values get reset during a recession and they, maybe they get more realistic.
1: Yeah. In, it, when markets are good, everybody thinks that they will. we're on a never ending as I call it. And so you get the aggressive guys, the day traders, they get aggressive. They feel that especially this particular bull market has run for 11 years. So many of the aggressive young people were in high school when, when the last recession was on, so they have absolutely no memory of it. But if you've an old codger like me and have gone through lots of recessions, you're a lot more cautious when things get to be overvalued. So you can actually look at uh, recessions like the safety valve on a boiler or a pressure vessel. When the pressure builds up too much, the, the safety valve releases and, and lets some of the pressure and the steam off and that brings things back down to reasonable valuations again. And it, it also helps eliminate the greedy and the overly aggressive. So those people that think that there's never an end to this market that you just keep on borrowing and buying no matter what the price, they get washed away. And for the rest of us, it's good, because all of a sudden, there's real bargains to be had out there. So for the sane investor, this is a great time.
0: Okay, here's a loaded question. Is this thing, this scenario that we're in now, is this going to force governments to think a little more carefully and make better choices, do you think?
1: Probably not at the moment. But if this carries on for a while, governments are going to come to the point where they'll begin to realize that they don't have the resources to bail out everybody. They don't have the tax revenue. They don't have the borrowing power. And one thing that has been completely left out of the uh, calculations is what happens if interest rates start going up. Most governments have been borrowing short-term where the interest rates are the lowest, and so they've been borrowing at half a percent or one percent, or in Europe they're borrowing at negative rates what happens if inflation comes back and i'm not talking about rates going back to the 8 1980 levels where there were 15 to 20% yeah but even if they go to 6 or 7% yeah what yeah. will happen gord when rates go to 6 or 7% and financing costs for government go up six times will they be able to afford that
0: uh, that's a that's a real scary scenario
1: right there <laughs> but eventually governments are going to have to realize that you can't spend beyond your means forever I mean, you look at uh, Alberta, and of course, there's a lot of political issues about Ralph Klein or in in the UK with Maggie Thatcher, but those leaders were simply a reflection of reality. Uh, we were spending way beyond our means, the UK was spending way beyond their means, and uh, they elected someone into power that cleaned it up, and eventually that'll happen here too, because you just, you can't go on like this forever. So eventually governments are going to start making smarter choices as well.
0: So do recessions make us better investors then?
1: Yeah, because typically what happens is that great investors have all learned their craft in bear markets. Bull markets teach you to be aggressive. Bear markets really teach you to be smart because you have to know the difference between overvaluation and undervaluation. And if you don't understand when something is worthwhile owning, or it's too expensive and the price you're paying will never justify, be justified by the underlying fundamentals, uh, those are important lessons to learn if you're going to stay in this game for longer than one bull market. So if you survive four or five bull markets, and bear markets, you understand that you don't overpay for things because in the long run it kills you.
0: And I guess the final question I want to pose to you here Ron is as you've seen a lot it's kind of like the farmers you know insurance commercials on TV we we've done a lot cuz we've we've seen a lot cuz we've done a lot and all that kind of stuff you've been through this before can I I'm not looking for you to give assurance to people that things are going to get better but there is a strategy to be employed here and and not let the fear overtake you correct
1: yes now i remember a guy that used to uh Uh, come to me, and uh, he was a very, very aggressive stock trader, Gordon. He would say that he was also a very religious guy. And he said, you know, before I trade every day, I get down on my knees and ask for inspiration to look at make the right choices. And I looked at his portfolio, and it was all crap. It was all stuff that traded under a dollar. And, of course, within six months, we went into recession. And virtually 90% of the things he owned weren't even trading anymore. They went bankrupt, and so I looked at them and said, "You know, if I had a portfolio like yours, I would be down on my knees praying every day, too." (laughs) (laughs) And so, if if you've got a lot of crap in your portfolio, you should be afraid. You should be very afraid. And this is
0: a time, as we've said, is is to clear a lot of that stuff out. If you've got stuff that you're not happy with. You don't want to panic sell, but it's, if it's not going to get any better, now's a good time. Get something out of it, maybe. Yeah,
1: you know, don't sit there with the, with the, you've got a company that is barely going to survive. Don't think it's going to get any better. We all have things in our portfolio that we just know intuitively. It is not going to get better for these guys. Get rid of that stuff. Build a little bit of cash. Then sit back and wait for your opportunities. The most important thing to have in bear markets, is patience. Uh, don't let fear and greed push you into buying too soon, selling too late. You just have to sit there and weigh these things out. And, of course, if you haven't listened, go back two episodes because I have. we've laid out a plan A and a plan B for dealing with this uh, pandemic. On If it's a short pandemic, here's how you invest If it's a long, drawn-out one that is really going to hurt the economy for years to come, sort of a worst-case scenario, here's how you should look at investing. So you've got to have a plan going into these things. So sit down, figure out someone that you can follow and you like their advice, and build yourself a plan, and then just be patient and wait to see how it plays out.
0: And a reminder, you can go back, as Ron alluded to earlier, You know, we've got almost a year and a half worth of episodes of Making Money, and we've covered such a broad spectrum of investment strategies and different things about the investment world. If you're a neophyte, if you're even if you're a sophisticated investor, maybe we got a little nugget there that you haven't paid attention to. We've got a lot of time on our hands right now. People are in self-isolation. Go back and listen to some of those episodes. They're all archived at our website, letsmakemoney.ca. And remember, Ron runs his daily Money Minutes twice daily on CFCW Radio in the Edmonton area. Uh, just after the 8 o'clock and 5 o'clock
1: news, is that correct? After the 8 o'clock and 5 o'clock news, and then at the end of the week, uh, we take all those edited shows, and uh, we upload them to our account. So there's uh, short minitorials if uh, you only have a brief amount of time, and if you've got a little bit more time to dig into the meatier part of the subject, you'll find that many of the money minutes that we do, the podcasts we do are just big expansions of a topic that we just cover cursorily in the, in the, money, in the Making Money shows. But on the podcast... You get a chance to flesh it out a little bit. We get a chance to really flesh it out.
0: So there you go. You can check us out, letsmakemoney.ca. You can also visit cfcw.com to access the show. And a reminder that if you have a question, you can reach us through email at either one of those sites, and we will uh, try to deal with your question in upcoming episodes. Ron, stay well, my friend, and we will talk again shortly. On behalf of the financial coach, Ron Hebert, I'm Gord Whitehead. Thanks for listening.